message. I'm going to ask if uh, Krista Hatcher would come. She's the chaplain of the Sykeston Legion. And with tomorrow being Memorial Day, we just want to give a moment of, uh, oh yeah, yeah, give her a clap. Sure, sure. <laughs> she has a 20-minute speech prepared, so just kidding. Uh, we want to welcome those on the live stream this morning. Thank you for joining us today, and we pray that you, as you follow us along, whether it's at the moment or a few days from now, we're encouraged that you're joining us today, and we pray that you're blessed through the message this morning. Memorial Day is a special holiday where we can remember those who gave their life for our country, for our freedom, and uh, to me, my dad was in the Navy, and my father-in-law was in the Navy, and so I have this uh, special um, reverence for it, that what I get to do on a daily basis and, and through church preaching and uh, just gathering even anywhere, you are allowed to pray in Walmart when you need the Holy Spirit, right? And you can pray with people uh, freely here in this country. And the older I get, the more I realize that's, that's quite a privilege. And there's a lot of countries where uh, they're learning to do ministry underground, uh, under the protection and, and the hiding. And it's just a privilege that we get to be able to come into a space like this and worship. And it's because of those soldiers and uh, military personnel that, that gave their life for uh, this country and fought in the many wars and all the things. And so today, uh, we just want to spend a moment in reflection for that. And Krista is going to say a few words and lead us in prayer. Oh, go ahead, Krista. I'll get you a microphone. Good morning. Bear with me. It's yeah. only my third time. <laughs> All right. So John fifteen thirteen reminds us that greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. Let us pray. Almighty God, giver of all victories, we thank you for the opportunities which abide in our land, for your guidance in the hour of peril, and your tender love in times of need. In anticipation of Memorial Day tomorrow, help us to remember with reverence the valor and devotion of our departed comrades. This is not working. Not only those whose bodies consecrate our country's soil, but also those who sleep beyond the seas. The ones whose resting places will not be known until that last day, when the deep will have given up its dead. O oh God, teach us to honor them by ever cherishing the ideals for which they fought. Keep us steadfast in the cause of human rights and liberties, of law and order, and true Americanism. Give us the power, Lord, to see and the will to do right. Grant that American Legion may preserve the high ideals for which our comrades died. And may your merciful blessing rest upon those they left behind. Keep us forever firm in righteousness, humble of heart, and unselfish in purpose. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Krista. So we just want to encourage you as we barbecue tomorrow, uh, whatever you do to celebrate and have a, a day off if you get the day off. But uh, just in, in your remembrance of this uh, this moment, this day, that you would uh, just give a, 
you know, a moment of silence or, or thought and, and just recognize that the freedoms that you have weren't free and they cost and uh, that's kind of the purpose of Memorial Day and if you get a chance to go to a service then at a, at a cemetery or wherever it would be, I know there's a few happening, if you could take time to do that would be awesome and just pray for the families of, of those soldiers. We... Uh, in my first youth ministry, we had a young man that I think he was in our church just a, his senior year, so I was only with him for a few months, but uh, he went off and a few years later died in, a, in, a, in, in Iraq fighting for our freedom. And so uh, there's a, all of us are probably touched in some one way or another uh, by a soldier who's uh, given their life for our freedoms. And so we don't take it lightly. We honor you who uh, have, have served and, and we are thankful for you. This morning we want to talk about uh, Pentecost Sunday and the Holy Spirit. Uh, today is Pentecost Sunday, which is a day that we celebrate uh, when the Holy Spirit filled the 120 people that were in uh, the upper room in the book of Acts chapter 2. Why do we call it uh, Pentecost Sunday? Well, Interesting enough, it took place while many people from around the Roman, the whole Roman Empire, uh, who had made the pilgrimage to Jerusalem to celebrate the Feast of Pentecost. It was a, a feast that they, it was all the way back into the Old Testament. Uh, you can learn more about it by reading through those times and the way that they would celebrate. But it was a harvest festival at which the first fruits of the harvest were offered to the Lord. Acts 2 uh, celebrates a harvest of 3,000 people who were gathered into the kingdom of God. One of the commentaries I study says that the Feast of Pentecost had typological significance that was fulfilled on the day of Pentecost, just as the Feast of Passover was fulfilled in the death of Jesus. In other words, both the death of Jesus and the descent of the Holy Spirit were divinely timed to coincide with the Old Testament feast that foreshadowed them. What was the purpose of uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit? So, the salvation of our soul is God the Father and God the Son. It's Jesus' number one goal or purpose is that all, every person uh, would be saved, the, the Father sent Jesus, his Son, to earth to die on the cross for our sin, that we can have eternal life with him. Then he rose out of the grave and he ascended into heaven where he is right now. But before Jesus left earth, there was like a 40-day period and, and he's... Uh, appearing to different people and the disciples. And um, one of the last times that he uh, appears to the disciples is in Acts 1-8, where I quoted there early at the beginning of our service. And he promises to them that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. The baptism in the Holy Spirit 
is a separate, it's an additional work than salvation. Salvation is uh, the number one goal of God the Father, Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Um, but it's not the only goal. They uh, provide the baptism in the Holy Spirit to believers uh, to empower us to be witnesses to further the kingdom of God. A quote from Doug Clay, he's our Assemblies of God uh, general superintendent. Pentecost views spirit baptism as a distinctive work of grace in the life of a Christian, separate from the salvation experience. The Holy Spirit indwells in every Christian. Romans 8, 9 says, If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. Everyone at salvation, uh, you are indwelled with the Holy Spirit. Okay? And the Spirit of God enters a person's heart and at the time of repentance, at the time of faith, causing a regeneration like we studied in the book of Romans a couple months ago. The Holy Spirit is our ever-present guide to help us in our Christian walk. At the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Christians are filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is not just in us, but it's being poured out through us. Um, all for the purpose of having power and boldness for the gifts that we've been studying the past couple uh, weeks. God gives us those gifts to be used by hand, to be used for the purpose of building up the believers, to uh, win them to the Lord if they're lost and to build up the church. It's all uh, from the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The inaugural event was in Acts chapter 2, verse 4, where the Holy Spirit fills the 120 in the upper room. The disciples already had relationship uh, with God, with Jesus, and, and they were committed already to serve him. If they, uh, if they had died before Acts 2, 4, they were going to go to heaven. Okay? This is an additional uh, work of grace. What Jesus promised in Acts 1 verse 8 happens here, and it's an extra, it's an empowering for the purpose of building the kingdom of God. The setting of Acts chapter 2, the disciples and all the believers that are with them are obeying the Lord, and they're waiting. They're waiting for him. They're uh, seeing some persecution, so they find an upper room where they can be uh, hidden out a little bit. If you remember, Jesus appeared to them uh, through a locked door. He shows up, so they're in that spot, okay? And they're kind of uh, hiding out because of persecution, and, but they're also in obedience, and they're waiting, and they're praying, and they're seeking the Lord. Acts chapter 2, and, and we'll have the scriptures on the screen as well. Acts chapter 2, starting at verse 1, it says, When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of uh, fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Now, uh, 
There were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. Remember, they're having this pilgrimage of all, all from countries all around, uh, coming for the Feast of Pentecost, and it's happening uh, while they're outside uh, this building. So they're hearing 120 people speaking in the various language, and they, they can recognize their native language being spoken. And verse 6 says, When this sound occurred, the crowd came together, and they were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. They were amazed and astonished. This moment was a mankind-altering moment in the history of the world, and especially the beginning of the church. God, the Holy Spirit, coming down and being released to fill individuals for the purpose of giving us power to live out our faith. How many of you feel, uh, either right now or you could say, oh, I felt that way in the past, man, I need help to live for Jesus. I need, uh, I, I want a stronger relationship with God. I want boldness to tell others uh, about him. I want more of God. How do I get more of him? That's why the baptism of the Holy Spirit is given, for more of God. God doesn't just uh, ask us to uh, preach the word. He doesn't just ask us to go and make disciples. He empowers us. He equips us to be able to do it. And that's through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I want us to uh, first look at a few other times in the book of Acts that people were filled with the Holy Spirit. And you'll see that it was common among believers It was for all ethnic groups and all social statuses. And I'll I'll give you a note of two things that happened in the Acts 2 account that we don't see happening anymore. One is before the Holy Spirit came, there was a rushing wind from heaven and there was fire that appeared to set above each person. That would kind of scholars are still like, I think it went like this. I think this happened. This is how it happened. Okay. All we know is when you look, there's like fire above every person and they're experiencing the the strong wind and just a loud uh, rushing wind from heaven. And so these are sometimes called uh, theophanies or uh, visible manifestations of God. On other historical occasions, uh, it happened as well, like the giving of the law, the Ten Commandments. If you remember, uh, there was thunder, there was lightning, uh, it burned up the mountain that uh, Moses was on when God spoke to him and he wrote the, the commandments. So these are not meant to be the normal experience every single time a group is filled with the Holy Spirit. But as we look at these uh, few um, passages where the Holy Spirit is uh, poured out, we'll see some normatives and we can uh, gather, we can observe some things that do happen uh, when people are filled with the Holy Spirit. So first off, uh, Acts chapter 8. So in Acts chapter 8, this is to a group of Samaritans. If you remember, uh, Jews and Samaritans don't get along uh, real well. Um, There's different stories that you can read of Jesus' experience with uh, the woman at the well and different uh, Samaritans. 
So Acts chapter 8, verse 14. Now when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent them Peter and John. Okay, so word gets back to Jerusalem, and you can study kind of the geographical uh, area, but Jerusalem was the hub. It was where the Holy Spirit had fallen on them the first time, and it was the um, most of what happened uh, in the New Testament. In Jesus' ministry uh, is in that one area of the world, but now they're hearing, well, Samarita, Samaria, uh, some people there have heard and received the word of God, and they, they believe it. So we're going to send Peter and John to go and, and minister to them. And so uh, when they came down, verse 15, and, and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for he had not yet fallen upon any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they began laying their hands on them, and they were receiving the Holy Spirit. This is a very important to the disciples and other Jewish believers that they begin seeing that the Holy Spirit is for everyone. It's not just the 12 disciples. It's not just the believers uh, that were in the upper room in that one moment. But this is bigger than all of that. And they begin uh, seeing that uh, what Jesus uh, has commanded them to do, to take the gospel uh, to others, they're taking what they know uh, to this group in Samaria. And they're learning, wow, man, the Samaritans have been filled with the Holy Spirit. Powerful stuff, okay? Um, also, it's important to note that they had already been taught about Jesus and they had been water baptized in his name. So it shows that the baptism in the Holy Spirit is in addition uh, to that. The next passage in Acts chapter 10, and this is uh, Cornelius and his household. Hey, Cornelius was a Gentile, okay? What do you know about Gentiles? Well, they were worse than Samaritans, okay? They uh, were more immoral and uh, worse people, but Cornelius uh, was a Gentile who had turned away from that paganism and he had embraced Judaism and he was devout, the Bible says, in prayer and giving of alms. And one day when he's in prayer, uh, an angel appears to him, tells him to reach out to Peter and have Peter come uh, to speak to him. And so I kind of skipped those verses in Acts chapter 10, but uh, Peter uh, does. Peter comes to him and he preaches about Jesus, not just to Cornelius, but to his whole household, uh, several people there. And the Holy Spirit, uh, sorry, in verse 44, uh, it says, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all of those who were listening to the message. All the circumcised believers who came with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also, for they were hearing them speaking with tongues and exalting God. Their minds are being blown. Okay? Like, oh, I thought, 
I thought I was the best Christian. You know, some of the disciples argued with Jesus, who's the better uh, disciple? Who's going to be able to sit next to Jesus in heaven? Okay, so they have this mindset, and God is literally breaking that uh, from them, and they're seeing people that uh, they maybe were afraid of, maybe they hated, and they're seeing, well, they're coming to know Jesus. So if if they believe in Jesus, the Holy Spirit's for them too. And they're sharing that with them. The Holy Spirit uh, fills them, um, and they are all baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's a powerful moment. And this is very important because not only are the Samaritans being saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, the Gentiles are as well. It is also to note that they had just become believers moments before the baptism in the Holy Spirit when Peter had come and talked to them about Jesus. You don't have to be a certain level of a Christian to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Uh, you can be uh, saved one moment, filled with the Holy Spirit 30 seconds later. Uh, it doesn't matter that Cornelius had given alms or had prayed enough prayers, right? Uh, last is uh, Acts chapter 19. In Acts chapter 19, give you a second to flip back. That's nine chapters after chapter 10, if you, just kidding. I know you know that, but just had to stall for a second. Acts chapter 19, uh, these are Ephesian men. So Paul goes to Ephesus. And he finds some disciples who had been baptized by John the Baptist. So we could say, okay, they were disciples of John the Baptist. There's, you know, debate there of whose disciples, what disciple, what they were. But it states that they found that Paul finds some disciples who had been baptized by John the Baptist. Paul tells them that actually John the Baptist, his baptism was preparing the way for Jesus. And he preaches Jesus to them. They believe him, and Jesus, uh, they believe in him, in Jesus, sorry, and Paul baptizes them in the name of Jesus. Then we pick up in verse 5. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands upon them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking with tongues and prophesying. It's important to note they believed first then they were baptized. And this is also, this is long after Acts chapter 2. Sometimes when we read uh, the scripture, it feels like, okay, this just happened yesterday. Um, Acts chapter 19, this moment is roughly 20 to 25 years after the upper room uh, experience. People are still uh, being uh, preached to, and they're becoming saved, and they're becoming filled with the Holy Spirit. And we, 2,000 years later, it's still uh, for us today. Some people would say, uh, well, that was for back in uh, Acts, and that was only for the disciples, and that's not, that doesn't happen anymore today, but I assure you um, that it does, and that all of these things uh, are available to us. So we observe, we'll get into that, I don't want to jump ahead again, but so going back, we observe that baptism in the Holy Spirit is in addition to salvation, that it's for every single believer, that's the only uh, prerequisite for it, 
everyone, even us today, uh, have the availability of the gift of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It is happening today. It's not a, a falsified or, or made-up experience. Um, it's genuine, although you may, I have, witnessed people that may falsify it or make it to be uh, fake uh, in order to make them look good or to be uh, a better you know, looking Christian. But it, I'm telling you, it's a genuine experience uh, that God would long for each of us to have. I want to um, tell you the baptism in the Holy Spirit is a genuine work, and it's one that is crucial for believers to take the next step and into a deeper relationship with God. I feel like as I was preparing this message and how do you preach about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we're going to go, we're going to wrap it up talking about um, the initial evidence of speaking in tongues. But as I was preparing, I felt like, man, I'm, I'm preparing a message trying to defend the Holy Spirit and the, the experience of it because I think uh, there's too many um, preachers or denominations out there that just kind of uh, overlook this powerful experience. And I found myself as I'm uh, reviewing my notes yesterday is, man, why, why are you defending the Holy Spirit and the, this experience? The whole, it's, a, it's a genuine uh, moment. It's a genuine experience that God has uh, preached about, wrote about uh, in his Bible. If you have questions about it, if you're uh, not sure uh, read for yourself, pray for yourself, don't rely on me or some uh, TV preacher or internet sensation, right? Seek it for yourself. There's so many uh, stories of, of this where uh, people just go off on their own journey seeking more of the Lord and they're filled with the Holy Spirit and uh, their life is changed and impacted in a major way. So I'm not here uh, to try to defend it and uh, try to convince you that it's real. I just want to preach uh, the truth today and, and just encourage you uh, that this is a genuine uh, experience and a genuine move of God that's available to all of us today. Another observation uh, that you can see through three of these four times, um, I left out the time that Paul, um, who was formerly Saul, and his experience just because it was an individual moment, but he, uh, the Holy Spirit filled him as well. But three of these four times upon being baptized with the Holy Spirit, the people spoke in tongues. And it's another language, and the, Spirit, the Holy Spirit gives them, gave them that utterance. And the, the group in, in Ephesus even were prophesying. So they were speaking in tongues and prophesying. They were immediately using uh, the gifts that the Holy Spirit was filling them with. The goal of baptism is not to be able to speak in tongues. I think a lot of times, uh, especially I've grown up going to uh, Pentecostal camps, and I feel like uh, we get to that moment and we're praying that the person would uh, speak in tongues. Speaking in tongues is not the purpose 
of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The purpose of the baptism is to give us courage, boldness, power, Jesus' words, uh, to preach the gospel and to tell others uh, about Jesus. What we find and what we observe is that when people are filled with the Holy Spirit, they speak in other tongues. And there's other... um, there's purposes for that that I want to get into as we wrap up uh, today. There's a slide here, and um, I'd love to talk to you guys more about it uh, if, you, if you desire. But I kind of put together, uh, with the help of uh, uh, Brad Lewis and um, a presentation that he made, about how tongues are manifested uh, in two different ways for different purposes in each one, okay? So uh, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit and you're speaking in tongues, okay, privately and publicly, uh, they're used in, in different ways. So privately, they're manifested during uh, prayer time or devotional time that you're having uh, privately. So that could be in your home, it could be in your church, it could be at Walmart. Hey, anywhere, uh, that's just you privately. Publicly, tongues can be manifested during a worship service like we're in now, uh, during a prayer gathering with other uh, believers. It could be in any sort of a setting with other believers uh, where you're worshiping and you're praying to the Lord. How are they used in these different settings? So who's the audience when you're praying by yourself? God. Okay? So when it's you and you're privately speaking in tongues, your audience is God. And there's scripture references. Um, as you notice in, when we were talking about the spiritual gifts, uh, 1 Corinthians 12 uh, talks about those. 1 Corinthians 14 uh, kind of examines speaking in tongues and the gift of that uh, more uh, specifically. So our audience is God when we're privately speaking in tongues. When we're publicly using the gift of tongues, our audience is the church, uh, this body of believers or whatever body of believers uh, that you would be with. What's the relationship of the speaking in tongues to the other gifts? Okay, when you're uh, privately using the gifts of tongues, uh, you don't need interpretation. 1 Corinthians 14, uh, 28 uh, talks about when you're praying in tongues, it's where the Holy Spirit is praying through you. You're going to be built up and, and it'll affect Uh, those who you're praying for. But in that moment, uh, when you're praying in tongues, it doesn't require an interpretation. When you're publicly in a public setting, uh, it does require interpretation. And that's in uh, verse 5 and 27 of uh, 1 Corinthians 14. Just the uh, simple common sense that it has to be uh, interpreted so there's no confusion of what in the world's happening, okay? So there's going to be, we might be in a worship or a prayer service and someone feels like, and I have a message in tongues and they vocalize it for the congregation to hear, Um, then there needs to be an interpretation. I've been in moments like that where uh, you just wait and it takes the leader to stand up and say, we 
we recognize this is a gift and we're going to wait for the interpretation. It has to do that or there'll be confusion, right? Uh, what's the purpose of tongues? Uh, privately, uh, the purpose is self-edification. The purpose is for prayer and praise. The building of our faith, Jude uh, verse 20 says, But you, beloved, building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. And last, uh, help the tongues helps us in prayer, Romans 8, 26. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness, for we don't know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. The purpose publicly is edification as well, edification of the church, exhortation, encouragement of the church, consolation of the church, and that's in the first few verses of uh, chapter 14. And who receives the gift of speaking in tongues? Uh, privately, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that we believe the, the evidence of that is speaking in tongues. That's for everyone. Everybody can uh, receive that gift. Publicly, the gift of tongues uh, is, is given to those who the Spirit uh, wills it to be. And so, just like we talked about in our spiritual gifts, not everybody has every single gift. And so, when you're, uh, if you have the gift of speaking in tongues in a public setting, and the interpretation that's required there, uh, the Spirit's going to give those gifts to uh, different individuals. We don't know how He uh, decides that. We don't know what the guidelines are, but privately, all can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Publicly, the gift of the Holy Spirit is for those that the Spirit wills, and that's in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 11. Worship team, would you come? I want to try to end a little early to give us time to uh, pray and uh, spend time with the Holy Spirit and encourage you uh, just to dig deep and these, these next 10 minutes or so uh, to really uh, decide in your heart and ask if you want to receive uh, the Holy Spirit, uh, spend these moments in prayer. I wanted to conclude with an illustration of uh, why do we need why do we need the Holy Spirit? Why do we need the baptism in the Holy Spirit? I'm grateful that some of you uh, farmers who've been working uh, dawn till dusk have made it today. Um, even though I farm a small plot of land on the back here, I'm not a farmer. I got a good eight hours of sleep last night, unlike some of you. <laughs> but bear with me this illustration. Uh, to help you see what the purpose or what, what your need is uh, for the Holy Spirit. I have a friend uh, named Whit, and him and his brother, they own and they train draft horses. These are humongous uh, horses. They take them on competitions all around the state. Um, they'll go to um, uh, fairs and uh, big events, and they'll give you uh, carriage rides, um, but Wit actually uh, uses them for working, and he'll pull uh, a plow behind them uh, to work the fields, and uh, he'll pull a wagon with them that's uh, distributing the, the fertilizer, the manure, into the field. And he's doing this the old-fashioned way that uh, farmers did a hundred years ago. 
okay? Is there anything wrong uh, with farming that way? Jeannie, is there anything? No, no, there's nothing. (laughs) Okay? Now, uh, as many of you here can testify, we've come very, very far in the development of the technology um, uh, and the farming techniques that make it more efficient and more productive. Starting with the tractor and the combine, all the machinery that you use now. You even use GPS to drive your tractor, okay? I was listening. (laughs) Um, I heard a radio commercial encouraging farmers to uh, watch out for electric poles, telephone poles. It's the leading cause of farming accidents. And I thought to myself, like, how is running into telephone poles or electric poles how is that a, a act, leading cause of accidents? Come to find out, um, you farmer, no, no, none of you in this room, I'm sure, but you'll set the GPS and you have to be in the tractor, but you're not paying attention and maybe the GPS does the field wrong and it hits the pole. And this is like a real thing. And I was just, wow, you know, pay attention to what you're doing here. No, but anyway, so uh, moving on. So these farm implements, they make it so much faster. They make it so much easier and it's more productive and more efficient uh, to plant your field and to harvest your crop. So here's where I'm going. Every Christian, every believer, you can can pray and uh, you can tell others about Jesus. You could could teach others. You could even encourage others other Christians and non-believers as well. And you're doing what God has called you to do. Just like uh, my buddy Witt, he's using the horses to farm. It gets the job done to an extent. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is like upgrading to a tractor and a combine. It's the, it's the power. It's the equipping. Um, Jesus said you will receive power when you receive the Holy Spirit to be my witnesses. You will get boldness and you'll get courage to do more. You'll receive deeper compassion for the lost. You'll give, uh, you'll, he'll, he'll give you a passion uh, for people. And he'll give you gifts into your, uh, into your toolbox. I don't know what, how you'd say it, but you'll, you'll be equipped to do uh, the work of a Christian, what God's called you to do, uh, and you'll be able to do it more effectively. Would you stand as we close? What I want to encourage you with today is that the Holy Spirit uh, is, and the baptism in the Holy Spirit is a very genuine and powerful experience. And man, when you, uh, you may not know exactly uh, what's going to happen and you're, you're, you may be standing here like, I don't know if I pray for the Holy Spirit, you know, uh, am I going to be uncontrolled and rolling around the floor and jumping chairs and all that kind of stuff? No, no, no. The Holy Spirit, God is uh, a gentleman and he's not going to force you Uh, to do anything that you uh, don't want to do. You're under uh, control. It's you seeking uh, him and it's asking for more. You're opening your your heart to say, man, God, I I need you more. 
I want your uh, power in my life. I want to be used by you. And you're just opening yourself to say, man, I need you, God. Would you uh, pour out your Holy Spirit in my life that you could be poured out of me to reach my friends and my family? So we're going to close with uh, singing these songs. If you would like to pray, please come forward and uh, you can spend time alone. If you'd like me to pray for you uh, to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I'd love to pray with you. But I want us to spend uh, these last few moments uh, alone with the Lord, uh, worshiping Him, praying Him, seeking uh, Him and, and more of Him in our life. Pray that each person here, God, would be uh, just experience more of you, God, and that you would just have freedom in our life, that not just in a, a service like this, but in our uh, private time of prayer, and that we're reading your word, God, that you would draw us closer to you, and that your Holy Spirit, God, would just uh, have freedom to open our hearts, God, and come into our life, that you would fill us. Lord, we want to serve you better we want more power we want more boldness god to give us a compassion that soften our hearts to see people the way you see them lord that we'd be able to recognize those that we come across that man they just need to know your love they just need encouragement help us to speak that god that your holy spirit would fill us to understand where they're coming from and what they need from you god that you would give us power God, to speak the things that need to be spoken to them. God, even if it's just praying for them, God, that we would have the power and the boldness just to ask them that we could pray. And when we pray, man, that you would show up in a powerful way. God, and we would just see more happening through you working in our life. So God, we don't want to leave you here. We don't want to leave you, Holy Spirit, in this room. But we just pray that you would go with us. And, and whether we go to a restaurant or to work or uh, wherever this week takes us, God, that your Holy Spirit uh, would be right there in us, working through us, just that we would just pour out and be overflowing with your Holy Spirit. The gifts that we've learned about, help us to see the gifts that you've placed in our life. Help us to understand what those gifts are and how you want to use us um, through those God, and help us to um, have the courage to step out in faith and to be used in those gifts. God, that ultimately, God, that we would just come alongside the other millions of Christians that have the goal and the purpose that more people would know you, uh, that the lost would uh, be found and they would be saved and they would come to know you, Jesus, that you would uh, just help us, Lord, help us, Lord. We need more of you, Jesus. We need more of you, God. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, God. Praise you, Lord. God, I just pray a blessing over each person this week. As we leave, would you go with us? Whatever our hands find to do, God, that you would be glorified and that your name would be lifted up and that you would use us just to make an impact in our, in our family, in our friends, in our work. God, that um, your name would be glorified above all other names. And again, that you would use us, uh, use us to make a difference in the lives of others, God. We just love you, Lord. Pray um, as we're dismissed today. 
God, that uh, you would go with us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you, church. Uh, we appreciate you. I don't know if I see Faith, but today is Faith Presnell's birthday, and she made me not uh, sing to her. So on your way out, if all of you could bombard her with a happy birthday, maybe she already left, but... <laughs>